When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me this week to look back on a goalless draw with Portsmouth are Chris Errington, Jack Ball and David Monday. Hi guys. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to you. So, um, a bit of an anti-climax, is that a fair assessment? Massively or? so. Well, for, for me, personally, it was my last Argyle game at the Herald. I was expecting a, you know, a barnstormer as we normally get with Portsmouth, and there was lots of build-up personally for myself. Oh, it's gonna be a great send-off, and yeah, no nil. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a good climax to the game, and uh, it almost didn't go either way that Argo would have hoped. Obviously, with uh, two really good chances for Portsmouth at the end of the game to have nicked the points. Um, Zach Viner made a fantastic goal on clearance. I'm sure, you know, if you were at the game or you've uh, read any of the coverage that. Uh, We've done it on the Herald. It was a, a fantastic clearance. I mean, Dave and I were sat up in the press box, and uh, we thought it was a goal. Didn't we, we thought it was a goal. Yeah. You could it was you know, sort of heart in mouth. It was heading towards the goal, and uh, miraculously, Zach Viner got back. Um, he did put a tweet out over the weekend saying it wasn't very majestic the way he uh, ended up in a heap. You know, uh, Mate, but, who cares? <laughs> but who cares exactly? Who cares about your dignity when you keep the ball out? And um, yeah. and then obviously Oscar Frankel's. Uh, inadvertent header which smacked against the crossbar and uh, Brett Pittman was trying to get on the end of it so um, it just I think it was one of those games I, I, I don't know what you thought Jack but you know that was a really important game and um, I think the importance of the game sort of affected the quality of the game if either team had scored early on I think it would have opened up a little bit more but uh, and I still think that a point's not a bad result for either team I think if, if you'd offer both managers a point before the game they, they wouldn't have been that I'm happy with that. I was quite relieved that we got a point out of the game when I found out that Ryan Taylor was missing. Obviously, mm. that's a huge blow to find out just before a game. Um, and you know, when they've got the likes of Pittman, who I think most teams in League One would like a player of his sort of standing, um, you, you do fear the worst. Even though I've got a good record, you know, we saw how I struggled at the start of the season when Taylor was out for so long. Um, so that could have easily um, derailed, you know, that game. But it showed a lot of character. I think they were out without Remy Matthews. Obviously, they were without. Um, Sarsovic and without um, Edwards obviously and they're also without Taylor I think there's a, there's a bulk of your team missing there and they still held one of the, the teams with one of the best budgets in the league and I think the point was definitely better for Argyle I'd say than it was for Portsmouth Yeah Going on with that Dave? Yeah definitely I think th- I think what it came down to was that last five minutes in a game where basically nothing happened um, in terms of clear-cut chances because they, they, those were the only clear-cut chances I think towards the end of the game um, Portsmouth just had a really good end to the game in those two moments, both of those could have gone, you know, against Argyle, and it could have been two 0 um, You know, just inches. You know, the, I, I, you know, Viner clears that ball pretty much as it's crossing the line, having come out of nowhere. And then, yeah, if if Threlkel's header was, you know, just an inch below, lower than it was, then that's in the top corner. So, based on the way it finished, and also on the fact that, yeah, when the news came out that Taylor wasn't playing, we were. You know, Chris says he has a bad feeling before every game. But this was one of the few weeks. <laughs> this is one of the few Everyone weeks. Everyone else agreed with me. This is one of the few weeks where I said actually, because I, I, I also feel pretty nervy about this one as well. So with those, yeah. all those things 
put together a point against the team. You know, just hold Sportsman's off. I mean, Algarve's still in the top six, and the results went for them elsewhere as well because Charlton lost and Peterborough lost. Um, and, you know, if you're playing a team who's below you and you draw, they can't make up ground on you. So it's hard to find like a bad thing about the fact that it was a draw. I mean, obviously everyone would have wanted a win, but there's very few neg- negatives from a draw with a team that's... Below still above Portsmouth, still got a game in hand on them, and there's one less game played. So and also a point clear of seventh with that game in mm-hmm. hand as well. Which, yeah. you know, if Argyle can win that game in hand, it means you know they've got to sort of drop points in at least two games in the running. So. It's, it's going to be pretty close come the final yeah. day of the season, isn't mm-hmm. it? And you know, a point here or there is is almost certainly going to make a major difference, isn't it? So hopefully that's that's an important point. And it still means what two two defeats in twenty now? Twenty one. Twenty one. So yeah. I mean, that's still an astounding <laughs> record. Argyle haven't drawn many games recently, yeah. have they? Yeah. So, you know, and their home record still is fantastic. So I don't think anyone can moan too much. You, you touched on the point there, Jack, earlier on about um, finding out about the injury to Ryan Taylor before the game. It must have been a real sort of deflation for the Green Army. You I've always said about you, the analogy that you use, you know, you, you say that Ryan Taylor's like the battery and it sounded as, as though Saturday was very much like the battery came out of the toy and the toy didn't work. The thing is, is we've said this so many times on this podcast, it's not just the fact that Ryan Taylor... Um, is, a, is a threat himself. It's the fact he, he allows Carey and Ramirez to express themselves. Joel Grant was put in a very tough position. You know, it's going to be hard for anyone to fill in for Ryan Taylor. And, and he just didn't hold the ball up as well as Taylor does. He's just not in that same sort of mould. And he was sort of, you know, square peg and round hole type, mm-hmm. type of scenario. He did, he did okay. You know, he, when he was on the board, he, he made some runs, yeah. which I think which tripped or, or, or tested the defence a few times but there was a few moments where he did win the ball in the air get it down to someone else and lay it off but it wasn't with the same regularity that's the key isn't it like yeah. it's consistency from and you know and you know the old time Graham Carey did get a chance his shot went over and I think just just was missing that sort of that, that vital um, uh, cog in the machine it is 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 not not an easy thing for Argo it's yeah. he's, 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 he's proved his worth over the, you know, the last few months and um, I think the sooner he gets back, the better. That's that's for sure. He, he's proven his worth by not being in yeah. the team. I was yeah. just going to say, like he, he was conspicuous by his absence when yeah. things weren't going well because they just couldn't put anything together going forward because it just had no focal point. And you know, anyone who came in to potentially replace him when his ankle was broken, when Joe Bryant had a few shifts up front, um, Nathan Blissett um, had a few shifts as well, and just no one could do it. Could do everything that he could with the same level of regularity. So yeah, exactly. I was thinking exactly the same when he's not there. That's when you realise how even more how important it is. And it's also there's not a lot of options, you know. Simon Church is currently injured. You've got Alex Fletcher who doesn't fit that that role at all. You've got Joel Grant, and then after that, you 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 pretty much don't have anyone. So, but in hindsight, was it a mistake then to let Nathan Blissett go out on loan in, in January because he's probably the most like for like player in in the squad. I, don't, I don't think he had enough chances, Stu, to prove whether he should be in the team or not. And um, I, I don't think he was League One level. An honest, hard working player, but not. Not to the level, certainly not to the level of a team trying to get in the League One playoffs. You know, he's been playing regularly at Macclesfield in the National League. Looks like they're going to win the National League, or they're going to go very close to it. And you know, Derek Adams made reference to the point a couple of weeks ago to us that um, you know part of the loan deal is is that it will become a permanent deal in the in the summer. So I think you know, from Nathan Blissett's point of view and everybody's point of view, that was that was a good move. No, I don't think he was he was the answer. They could have done with a better striker. In the, in the January transfer window um, that didn't happen they signed Simon Church and that hasn't worked out um, with injuries uh, it was always going to be a gamble with his recent injury record and it hasn't worked out you know they've been fortunate that Ryan Taylor's been so effective yeah they, they got through it with on Saturday to a degree 
Um, they'll need Brian Taylor back as soon as possible, hopefully against Northampton on Saturday, but well, that's something we'll find out later in the week. Yeah, I was going to say, by playing Joel Grant, you almost have to change the whole way that the team plays, don't you, to, well, to paint his strengths as well? I think that was one of the problems. I don't think they've I don't think they fundamentally changed the way they played. I mean, as Dave mentioned, there was there was occasions where the ball was played up to Joel Grant and he would hold the ball up and lay it off. There was two or three examples yeah. that we, we noticed when we were in the press box. It didn't happen with the same regularity and with the same success as it does with Ryan Taylor. That is no. correct. Um, I wondered if they might try and play... Uh, more balls into the channels for try for for goal Joel Grant to try and run into, but if you're trying to play balls into channels, then you're not getting Carey and the Mirrors on the ball, uh, you know, with the ball at their feet, spinning and twirling past defenders. So, I I think Joel Grant did his best Im- Im- imitation of Ryan Taylor, and um, it, it didn't work as well as with Ryan Taylor and the team. Um, I didn't think he played bad. I thought he did. I, I thought he he did a decent a decent job in difficult circumstances. Um, but they do need Ryan Taylor back. The problem is he doesn't have that relationship with, with Lemiris and Carey as well. You know, if you're playing, they see the three, you know, Taylor, Carey, Lemiris seem to have, to have quite a relationship where they sort of understand where each other are going to be, yeah. and they just work so well as a free free something. If you took any one of those three away, suddenly it's a different game. Isn't it? They were playing against a good team as well. Mm, Portsmouth, yeah. you know, no yeah. force. You know, they they beat Wigan at Fratton Park not so long ago, didn't they? You know, they're a good, strong, solid, organised team. And with Pittman up front, they've got that goal threat that, that any team wants if they're going to get into playoffs, get promoted. So I, I wouldn't be at all surprised. I said it to the, the media guys at, from Portsmouth. Uh, I said I wouldn't be at all surprised if we see them again next month. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. Mm. Uh, I guess the big question the Green Army are going to ask, though, Chris, is how bad is the injury to Ryan mm-hmm. Taylor? You know, is there any indication as to how long he's going to be out for? Um, nothing officially. There was a few comments which suggested it wasn't too serious. Um, but you know, Ryan Taylor has had sort of issues with his ankle this season. I don't know if it's the same ankle that, for example, that he broke at the start of the season. Um, I think the hope is that it's not too serious. Um, but we'll we'll wait and see. There wasn't any vibes that it was really serious. Yeah, there was talk so, that he was he was struggling yes. and he was touching go. Wasn't yeah. It? So and that suggests that he could have played. If perhaps he'd maybe had an extra day of recovery or something, or you know, if, if he has rolled the ankle that he's broken, I mean, speaking from personal experience, a rolled mm. ankle on one you have broken yeah. within the last eighteen months or whatever, mm. that is going to hurt more, and that is going to mm. leave possibly more swelling in that particular area. So, you know, like maybe it was just a precaution, I mm. suppose, because yeah, with those games coming up, you don't really want to take a risk, no. you know, because I mean, actually, job done so far. I mean, if Taylor's going to miss one game, you've got a draw against a team as Chris has said, good strong side in the mm. playoff chase. And if you think means that Taylor's got that little bit of extra time just to get ready for the next yeah. couple of games, then that's, that's perfect, isn't yeah. it? Better to miss one potentially. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I mean, we were saying in the, in, in the press box when we weren't sure, when we hadn't heard these comments that it wasn't that serious. If he's out for the rest of the season, then actually you, you almost have to say, well, playoffs aren't looking... like you, We'd struggle to, to, to make the playoffs in, in this particular way because he is that and it is so important. So, you know, knowing that he could come back in the next couple of weeks, that's definitely... Possibly, but as we say, we will have to find out more, more mm. when we see. What about Simon Church then? Is there, is there any update on him? Is he close to being involved again? Or? No, the manager doesn't isn't always that expansive about injuries. He's had a hip injury. Um, he's not been in the squad for the recent weeks, and there's no indication that he's going to be back anytime soon. So I think we work on the basis that we, we won't see him again soon or at all this season. A mm. uh, question from Bobby Cochran. He's saying we clearly missed Ryan Taylor's presence up top against Pompey. Will it be worth signing another striker? of his sort, pushing Alex Fletcher out wide or giving Blissett another chance, perhaps even a slight change in style as a plan B. 
obviously the transfer window yeah, is shut. So, so what's the timing yeah, on this question? I mean, yeah. and who's left as well? I mean, yeah, I mean, there won't be there won't be anybody of Ryan Taylor's ability as a free agent, for example, at the mm-hmm. moment. Pushing Alex Fletcher out wide, well then, what are you going to leave out? Carry on mm-hmm. Amirez, so you're not going to do that, are you? Blissett is at, at, at Macclesfield and, and won't be coming back. Um, change the plan, well, you know, as Jack's just pointed out, it's two defeats in 21. That's two defeats in almost half a season in League One. Um, <laughs> that strikes me as pretty decent form. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier to get Joel Grant to try and be Ryan yeah. Taylor than the rest yeah. of the teams trying to play for uh, uh, Joel Grant. It's going to have to be some kind of compromise, isn't yeah. it? And actually, yeah. that's what kind of Saturday was, because there were occasions where Joel would have to go into the channels and, and, and do some work there. There were occasions, as we said, where he did go up and win the ball or drop deep and lay it off to someone in, in a wide area. And actually, you know, that's, as you say, is it, that involves less of a change than just changing the whole team based on one player. Um, I think compromise, if Taylor does miss another game, is going to be key. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Taylor was, was injured on Thursday by all accounts. And because um, it's funny, because we saw him nine o'clock on Thursday. <laughs> he was the player put up for the press interview on, on yeah. Thursday and he was full of beans and he was talking about how he loved the, the physical side of the Against game. His former and club he was as looking well. forward to playing. his former club. It always gave him that edge. He was full of beans. <laughs> and then, you know, to find out he wasn't playing on Saturday. So it was relatively late in the week before they found out he wouldn't be playing. This week, you know, if Ryan Taylor isn't going to be fit for Saturday, at least you've got a whole week to plan and prepare and everyone yeah, get, yeah. get focused on, on what they're going to need to do and, and tweak it a little bit so that, you know, Derek Adams said after the game he felt they played too many high balls up to yeah. Joel Grant, for example. So you try and tweak that a little bit. They just wouldn't have had any time to work on it. If it happened as, not, as late as you say it did, then... Not really. A day or two, and Fridays yeah. are normally sort of, you know, set pieces and things like that. So um, they wouldn't have had a great deal of time to deal with it. No. Derek Adams commented that Portsmouth came to get a point, and he said that he was surprised by how defensive they were with their performance. Um, certainly seemed to annoy a few people, Jack. Honest words or, or mind games from the manager? We know he likes to, uh, <laughs> to get involved in his oh, he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's an interesting character, Derek Adams, isn't he? I think he, he says certain things in, in uh, post-match press conferences that has a few people scratching their heads, but there was a, there was a uh, journalist, was it for the Peterborough paper, yeah. Chris, that, that he seems to take exception to a few of the things that he had said. Portsmouth. No, 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 it was Peterborough. Peter 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 in the context the of last week. And, you know, some of the great characters they do they do have sort of this persona after games and I, th- I think Derek Holmes likes to drop in the offing to wind people up you know that seems to be part of the persona he grew up under the sort of Alex Ferguson ideology doesn't he he does yeah. remind me of a, 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 a yeah. much younger Alex Ferguson and you know before the Peterborough game we said little things about how uh, Grant McCann for example had a great team and Evans is lucky to come in and have his team almost sort of putting someone aside without actually saying anything so he's yeah. very good at that um, he got to get the pinch of salt I think managers it's hard for managers in some ways because they always have to they come out and ask the same questions week after week. Um, did Portsmouth, were they particularly defensive? I don't think so. they were overly defensive. Not well, more defensive I, it's though. interesting that you said that. I, I about, about 18 minutes into the game, I, I was thinking to myself, like I don't really think Portsmouth have really given this a full whack. And actually, mm. you look at the form that Argyle are in, because I, I, obviously I was doing an analysis piece after the game, and before those chances, because in the end I, I, I kind of led it on the fact that you know they got a little bit lucky in the last five minutes because they did. But at that point, I was already starting to think what the basis was going to be. And the basis of my piece was going to be, Argyle are now in a situation where they're so good at home that even the big clubs come to home park and think, actually, it draws a good result. And I thought that that would make a good point for the form that Argyle are in. Because Portsmouth just hadn't really 
they hadn't really gone for the game at all. And actually, I can see where Derek's coming from. I think a lot of people didn't like it because the shot count at the end of the game obviously was in Portsmouth's favour. But I think that can be quite deceiving because I don't really think many of their chances were on target. I mean, there were several opportunities where Portsmouth in, didn't get into Argyle's um, defensive third with, with, you know, too often and they didn't spend long there. So there was lots of snatched chances, lots of shots that just were snatched out and went over the bar. I mean, you know, there was plenty of chances where, you know, the Devonport end were just, you know, jeering a pretty poor shot. Carl Levin will have much busier afternoons. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah Carl Levin just didn't really have a great deal to do. So I think sometimes a shot count can actually be a bit deceptive of, of, of a game. Um, so I can, I can see where Derek's coming from because, yeah, with, before that sort of burst in the last five minutes, I was thinking, I don't really know what Portsmouth have... Come here to do, come here to do today, other than get a draw, and you can understand why, as I said, because Argyle's form is good, and sometimes when you go away from home against a team that's in that kind of form, that's always at the back of your mind. Like maybe we should just settle for a point. So I can see where that's coming, but I also can see where Portsmouth fans would be annoyed by that because, yeah, in the last five minutes they had the best chances to win the game. I think they were quite off their game, Portsmouth. They had a lot of crosses, <clears throat> but they didn't have anyone in there that sort of met that. There was so many crosses that would yeah. come in from Jamal Lowe and go out for a throw in. He was by. Far away, their best player. Yeah. And but no one really else offered much. So then he was doing a lot of it on his own. And I think there's two teams that cancelled each other out. Yeah. That was yeah. basically what it was on Saturday. Well, Chris, you said to me that before those chances were Pompey, you felt Argyle were mm. the better yeah. team, really. Yeah, I thought that's particularly at the start of the second half. I thought that the first sort of half an hour of the second half, Argyle were the better team. Mm. Portsmouth were on the ropes. They were chasing shadows a little bit. Argyle couldn't come up with the final quality they needed to to really open them up and create clear cut chances. They did miss Taylor, but you know I thought they were they were the better team. Yeah, no disputing that Portsmouth had the, the two chances at, at the end. Um, you know, is is Derek Adams' honest words mind games? You know, it's a little bit of both. I, I don't think Portsmouth went flat out by any stretch of imagination. I mean, Argyle had their backup goalkeeper uh, between the posts, and he hardly had a thing to do. Brett Pittman had one very good chance in the first half that he should have scored, mm. uh, but other than that, they didn't really test Argyle's backup goalkeeper. Um, Certainly for a team, you know, that are trying to get into the championship, you know, they have got Brett Pittman as a good player and Jamal Lowe was good. Yeah. But I, I wasn't really sat there for 85 minutes thinking that Portsmouth, wow, they're a really good attacking team. I thought that they were um, they were cautious in lots of ways and I don't, don't blame them for that. They were a away team against a, a team in good form. Um, Derek Adams likes the mic games, you know, we've, we've t- talked about this, discussed that before, you know. Um, just before we recorded this podcast, I've just been doing a comment piece along these sort of lines and, uh, you know, how Derek Adams ruffles feathers of the opposition and opposition fans and even the opposition media sometimes, it seems. Um, and I don't think that bothers him in the slightest. You know, he's a very confident man. He's very ambitious. Um, if you talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. And 50, I've checked his win percentage today for the, for the piece I've written, a 51.1% win record in 133 EFL games. Um, you know, you're allowed to be a little bit confident in yourself and in your team. So um, I haven't got a problem with that. And I do think, and he, he is a meticulous man and he's always thinking ahead. I, I think some of those comments were made with the very real possibility that Argyle and Portsmouth might play each other in the playoffs. Mm. I really do. He's covering every base, isn't he? He's covering every base. You know, with Steve Evans and, and Peterborough, there's, <coughs> a chance yeah. there's a chance they'll play Peterborough in the playoffs. There's a chance they'll play Portsmouth in the playoffs. I, I, I think that when, he's, when he talks after, the game, after both of those games, he has had at least a small part of what he said thinking ahead to the players. That's the kind of man he is. And yeah. I, and as a fan, I'm much of a manager that 
was not bothered about making friends and trying to be nice all the time and, and getting the job done. It's not a popularity contest. No, it's not. It's not a popularity okay. contest. I mean, we all know managers. Um, I think Gareth Aylesbury probably rubs Arbel fans up the wrong way, you know, with yeah. some of his, his comments and the way his teams play. But look at the success he's had at Wickham Wanderers. You know, you won't find the Wickham Wanderers fans complaining about Gareth Aylesbury sort of too much. I wouldn't have thought. It's the same with Derek Adams. You know, sometimes if Derek Adams ended up being a, a manager at another club in the years to come, and he came down to Argyle and, and made the same sort of comments, yeah, it, it riles managers up. But I do think it, it did illustrate again to me that Portsmouth fans and a club sort of are almost in denial that there is a rivalry between Argyle and Portsmouth mm. and all the sort of chants about bearing Adams from the Portsmouth fans during the game and all the uh, champion champion yeah and all the sort of, <laughs> top all, of the league and yeah, all the sort of up. grievances about well, what Derek Adams said about this that and the other shows that they actually it's more than just a normal game for them yeah, so yeah. Um, he definitely gets under their skin doesn't he he, 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 he does yeah. and you know that's the way he is and you know you've, you've got to get the results you know if, if you if you're like that and then you don't have the results to back it up you are going to come unstuck Absolutely. but he can turn around to anybody and say you know look you know Portsmouth when we played Portsmouth at Fratton Park on November the 25th Portsmouth were 17 point 17 positions and 12 points clear of Argyle and now Argyle are one point clear and with a game in hand with five games to go so he's he can turn around and say look that's that's the facts. Absolutely. Yeah. One further point on the on the match itself. Michael Wonderly is asking um, about your thoughts on Makassi. It's it's tough for him because he's come to Argyle without um, a lot of first team football. We've had none really, mm-hmm. apart from the Checkers Trophy. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I don't count the Checkers Trophy as first team <laughs> football. Too. Um, and I think he's done a decent job. He's he's got physicality, uh, which Argyle probably need in the centre of midfield. Um, you know, is he as good as Anthony Sarsavik was before he went out of the team? No, um, but I think he's done a decent job. But um, you know, there's, there's, you know, if Sarsavik was fit, we know who'd be playing in the team. Though I think this was McCassie, one of McCassie's yeah. worst performances. But by, over the stretch of games he's played, he's, mm. I think he's played an yeah. important role. It's and the first time you know, I've been in a game. When so. Sarsavik first came to the team, he had one or two good games, and then had a very quiet mm. match where he wasn't very effective. And sometimes you need to just have a run of games and, and have a long. T- spell on the team before you can really get going and I think he's had one slightly under par performance but I think overall I think he's mm. been quite a yeah. good contribution when he got midfield that had Ness injured for a while started mm. injured it's not easy to come into a team with a record like Argyle have had the, the fact they've built all this way up from the, from the bottom to the playoffs you get thrown in and really there's just, the chances are there's one way you're going to go and that's more more likely to be down but he's held his own I think overall yeah. there was a couple of times where he, where he went to pass the ball and, and, and missed it quite badly and he got the, the gro- moans and groans going but I think if you judge him on what he's done since he came into the mm-hmm. team against Fleetwood with no first team experience at all and Argyle have kept going and got results he got the goal at Fleetwood for example he mm-hmm. kept going you know it, it's not an easy situation I, I'd hate to think that people are going to start moaning and groaning about him you know after one perhaps not yeah. Quite a good performance. I think it's worth remembering as well that he's he's a young lad, and as you say, Chris, he's only just come. You know, he's making his first few steps in the football league. Absolutely. Yeah. The one thing you're always going to get with young players, doesn't matter what league it is, Mm. is inconsistency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one one game that you're going you can allow a poor game, especially Mm. for a player in that situation, is when the battery isn't in the team. Yeah. Because I think, um, you know, when that player's not there, because you were saying before kickoff, actually, Chris. The, the 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 impact of a player like Taylor being missing is obviously bad for us. I mean, we both had our head in our hands. We're like, no, Taylor's not playing. The fans were the same. But Chris made this great point that actually sometimes the players feel exactly the same. You go out for your warm-up and you're thinking, well, Ryan's not here today. How on earth are we going to string anything together going forward? So, you know, if there one or two players have a poor game, then, you know, in that sort of situation when actually 
you know, you're a young player, a bit inconsistent, you know the best player's not there today. Sometimes it can be easy for your head to drop and you, you know, lose your concentration. Ryan Taylor, I mean, we're, this is turning into the Ryan Taylor appreciation <laughs> podcast, isn't yeah, it? But yeah. If you're imagining somebody like Moses McCarthy, right, and you're on the ball in midfield and you're being closed down and you haven't really got time to quite do what you want, you know if you play the ball anywhere near Ryan Taylor, he'll probably make it look a good ball. <laughs> now, when you haven't got Ryan Taylor in the yeah. team, it, it, again, it's... It can look a bad ball. It can look yeah. a bad ball, you yeah. know, and... and Anyway, we touched on Ryan Taylor enough, <laughs> but again, I think that you know that's that's, yeah, that's yeah, point, 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 point. Point me to a player in League One that's had a few bad games. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's yeah. part and parcel of League One football or any or any league football. People have quiet games, and that was unfortunately just one of his uh, less impressive performances. Yeah, uh, I think we should give a shout out to PAFC Displays as well. Definitely, um, they put on another fantastic display. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a GoFundMe page where fans can donate money for future displays. I'm sure with the games are going well. Obviously, there's only one more at home park, <laughs> potentially more. Yeah. Um, there are going to be plans for the Rotherham game. Do, do you know if that's the case, Jack? They're, hope, they're hoping to. Yeah. Know, it's all it's all about you know some things are on a tight budget and whatnot. But they set up this GoFundMe page. I haven't looked this morning. I think last night when I looked, I had two hundred fifty pounds donated already out of a two thousand five hundred pound target. Um, is this, this for the Rotherham game or just in general? In general, not just for one game. This is just in general. But I'm sure that they're they're hoping to put something on. They 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 had the scarf idea for the game against Peace Spread they had this great flag which mm. looked fantastic it was really the length of the whole yeah. the whole size yeah, for the stands, stands, wasn't it? Yeah. it looked and, fantastic yeah. and you know I, I was in I was sat in the barn park end um, in, in, in block 16 and it felt like it was going over my head forever and I thought I'm never going to be able to see any of this game <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, then, then I thought let's hope it doesn't go to the Portsmouth fans and they managed to get it down but it looked fantastic you know yeah. there was they've had some flags there in the past that were a bit battered a bit old and it does look good when there's a nice new flag and the fans enjoyed it it helped the atmosphere I think oh, at the yeah, start and, and it just looked, it looked fantastic and they deserve I mean I don't know the people that are behind PFC displays I've spoken to them as an entity but they've done a fantastic job and I think it's great. It puts on a, it just adds extra incentive and that, that extra thing to the atmosphere, which is all it definitely helped it. the atmosphere. I thought the atmosphere was really good. And that's, that's probably one of the reasons why everyone was a little bit sort of oh the game wasn't quite as good <laughs> as the build up sort of thing. But the build up was, was really good and the flag was uh, was excellent. So well done to uh, all concerned. Yeah. But you can I mean, so you can just follow them at PASC underscore displays on Twitter. And I mean uh, they teased everyone. They, they showed the box. And no yeah. one knew what it was going to be. And they were saying away, weren't they? If, if we get it in time, it's going to look great. And yeah, they promised that it would look. And great. there's a link to that GoFundMe page in the um, in the four up one down piece that uh, we've we've done this morning. So go there and have a look, and you can donate if you want to. Obviously that box. Yeah. I was quite open. It was a big picture of my face. It said farewell, Dave, on it, but I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> the flag was great, though. I'm just joking. It was fantastic. On the plus side, from Argyle's point of view, um, Anthony Sarsovich back to training, and Remy Matthews. I understand you, you saw him this morning up at Home Park. Chris. Yeah, I was walking into work as I as I do on a Monday morning, <laughs> and I was walking past Home Park. And who should, should I see driving into the car park but Remy Matthews? So um, all the way from Norwich. All the way from <laughs> Norwich. That sounds like something we've ever said. Do you remember the sale of the century? Anyone remember the sale of the century? I Nicholas remember. Parsons? I remember the sleeper. Live from Norwich or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone who's sort of my age will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> me and Dave are looking very confused. Same <laughs> with the century. There's a, there's a great sort of TV uh, quiz show of the... Well, if I say 70s... <laughs> <laughs> 80s, yeah. 90s. Yeah, I was going to say, say 90s and we'll believe you. <laughs> but they always used to introduce it live from Norwich. So here from Norwich, Remy Matthews. But um, yeah, I saw him driving, driving in as I was walking past Home Park. So great to hear that his daughter's at home, which, yeah. is, which, which is really good news and wish... Uh, Remy and his family all the very best and you know hope he's uh, you know ready to go for uh, an important few or well, final five games and maybe the players and as you say Sarsovich back in training as well I think having these players even close to the team is going to be a big boost I'm sure you know mm. there is a 
good chance that Argyle might be in the playoffs at the end of the season and to have people like Sarsvich coming back, Matthews available, to have Taylor hopefully back, you know, it's going to be a big boost and they're going to be, every single game, whether you play Northampton or Rotherham in a few weeks, every game's important, you know, it is like a cup final, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. And Ryan Edwards as well, you know, what fantastic news that was last week that, you know, he's been given the all-clear and he's back in training as well. Chris, you did a fantastic video piece with him yeah, on Friday. It was, it was great to be able to catch up with Ryan at Home Park and have a chat with him. Um, I'm, I'm so impressed um, with the way he's handled it, the way he spoke about it. You know, he did a lot of interviews uh, on Friday talking to TV and myself and bits and pieces and radio and I just thought he spoke really well, you know, um, and how he's, you know, handled it, the whole situation from you know the diagnosis to the recovery to going forward and you know getting back to stronger, fitter, better than he's ever been before. Yeah, I, I take my metaphorical hat off to him and um, yeah, great to see him and uh, you know wish him continued uh, success in his recovery and return to football whenever, whether that's this season or next season. You know, it'd be just good to see him back out on the pitch at some point. What, what's impressed me about him? One of the one of the things that's impressed me most is he said in an interview that. Um, He's not one of those people that likes to be centre of attention. He does. He just likes to be in the background and get on with his job and just do it. But he's not really had that chance for this. But he's taken it on so well. You know, he's not. He's not shied, shied, shied away from it. He's. He's for someone that doesn't like to be centre of attention. He's been thrust into the limelight. Yeah. He's dealt with it so well, and that's that's very admirable. I think he was even down in Campbell yesterday, wasn't mm. he, for the Argyle Legends yeah. charity? And he was a charity. guest of the uh, the Green Taverners Fan Fest on on Saturday so I mean he's he's very much sort of friends to centre and I know he, he wants to be because I mean from talking to him he was really really appreciates all the messages support yeah. encouragement that he got through social media in all the various ways and I think what he's done over the last few days is his way of you know saying thank you to everyone for, for being there for him Indeed. Uh, Dave Searle this is a big midweek for Argyle even though they're not playing how do you see this week going? Just running through the fixtures, uh, Bradford, v, Bradford v Portsmouth, Doncaster v Berry, Gillingham v Rotherham, Rochdale v Oldham, Shrewsbury v Charlton and Wigan against Oxford. I mean, it's going to be interesting because Argyle could potentially still be in the top six with two games in hand on some of these teams if results go there. I think the most important thing is the fact that it's still in Argyle's control. You know, of course there are big games which we will have a say. But the fact is, the destiny is still in Argos' own hands, and that is a great position to be in. I don't think any team wants to be relying on other teams at this stage of the season, whether you're battling promotion, playoffs, or relegation. Um, the one that stands out there is Shrewsbury Charles, and I think that's quite a big game. And I think Argos fans will be hoping Shrewsbury can do a do a job there. Charles have stumbled, haven't they, the last few weeks yeah. after a good start under Lee Bowyer? Um, I was actually just going to pick up Bradford v Portsmouth because Bradford are in pretty poor form, mm-hmm. and I would actually I expect Portsmouth to win that, which I think would mean they would leapfrog Argyle. So, yes. Yeah. Um, obviously, it, things are still in their hand, hands, but I mean the fact that me and Jack have just picked up two different games just goes to show just a how interesting this playoff chase is, and b how how lucky we are to be sat here at the end of the season and having more than one game that's going to affect Argyle when you know in December. We were thinking, you know, we're going to be looking more at Doncaster v Berry or Rochdale v Oldham. So yeah. we, we are quite lucky in that respect to be looking at these big games and thinking how how much they could affect Argyle. That was a real shock seeing uh, Scunthorpe go to Charlton and win at the weekend. Yeah, because yeah, Scunthorpe yeah. had been on a bad run themselves, yeah. hadn't they? So. Well, that's the thing, that's just throwing a team into the mix that people were writing off, really. You know, yeah. it just goes to show that, I mean, it's, it's incredible. It shows the start that they had under Graham Alexander, which I don't, know, I don't know the exact numbers, but they've won very few games in the last few months. And the fact that they're still fifth. I think Shows that was their first win, 11 at, first win in 11 at Charlton. And, can, I mean, it's a bit like Burnley in the Premier League. The fact yeah. you can go on this, this long spell without a win and still be in the top six, yeah. I mean, it's pretty impressive. And suddenly people take a note of Scunthorpe again, whereas before I think people have written them off and not almost not yeah. seen them as a threat. 
Um, and again, it adds, incentive, it adds, it adds more to the game when the two they meet Argyle later in the season. I, I did see a bit of Bradford's game on the TV last Thursday, wasn't it? And uh, against Shrewsbury, and, and it was a pretty poor game, if I'm if I'm honest. Uh, Bradford do seem to have. Imploded. I don't know if imploded, imploded. That's probably the right word, isn't it? They just have gone so far off the well, just, I, mean, I mean, I would, I would expect Portsmouth to go to Bradford and win that one. I'd yeah, be surprised yeah. if they, if they didn't. I think you know Brett Pittman and people like that, Evans, Lowe, you know, yeah. I would expect them to beat Bradford. Shrewsbury and Charlton. Shrewsbury have been pretty strong at home all season, haven't they? Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was a draw. Though Charlton will need some sort of response after a couple of poor results. The other one interesting is that I still wouldn't, you know, give up on on, on Argyle or team other teams catching Rotherham in fourth. Rotherham, Gillingham, and Gillingham had a really good run under Steve Lovell, but they've definitely gone off the boil as well and uh, uh, are not really playing for anything now. So um, it's one of those games where a team that really need a win are, are away to a team that, you know, could already have their minds towards next season. And you know, from from the rest of the playoff pack, they'll be hoping that Gillingham can win that game. Mm. But I'm thinking Rotherham. We'll probably go there and win that one. So well, they had a good draw away at Wigan. The they did, as well, didn't they? Yeah. So you know, it, it might be a case that Argyle are not in the playoff places beyond, you know, ten o'clock on Tuesday night. But the thing is that they've got those two games in hand. You know, the next two Tuesdays we're not playing this Tuesday, but the next two Tuesdays Argyle have got the games against uh, Rochdale and Scunthorpe. And the way it's shaping up, those two Tuesday games are probably going to decide the outcome of the season. You know, two weeks ago we were ninth from the table. It just goes to show how one result mm. and two results can make such a difference to the mm. table. Like I said, Scunfort won anyone anyone's radar now suddenly they're fifth. Uh, you know, I'll go one ninth not long ago and, and David's right, we're in such a great position to be talking about the playoffs, you know, mm. we would have given our right arm for that, you know, a few months ago. Oh, so yeah, definitely. so um, it's a very good position to be in I, I think the best analogy for the League One playoff uh, thing and it's uh, something else Chris said before the game on, on Saturday. It's kind of like musical chairs. It just keeps changing, and basically, when the music stops, whoever's in the top six, that's how yeah. it's going to be. Because it's so hard to call right now. Because everybody's playing each other. Everybody is kind of up and down on form, and yeah. So basically, when that music stops, make sure you sat on a chair. I just, I just hope one of the listeners doesn't ask us who we think is going to make the playoffs. <laughs> Stu. Well, I'll move on to a question from Jack Chapman, who's saying, "Who else will make the League One playoffs?" Um, Shre- Shrewsbury Town. <laughs> we just say Shrewsbury Town. And, and yeah, Robin. I'm going to go with Shrewsbury. I'm going to stick my ne- neck on the block and go with Shrewsbury. Yeah. I- I hope they make the top two. You know, I'm yeah. still hoping they will make the top two, but Blackburn and Wigan are looking strong, aren't they? Yeah. So, um, yeah. so uh, Shrewsbury. I think uh, Rotherham will probably make it. I think they're yeah. Yeah, a couple more wins and they should yeah. be okay. Yeah, I think Rotherham. I mean, their goal difference is pretty good as well. Yeah, compared yeah. To a few teams I think they're about the only two you can be sure of. And I think after 14 wins, four and five draws from 21 games, I, I, I don't, honestly don't see why Argyle can't do it. I really mm. don't okay, see yeah, why they can't. Sure, there's yeah. certainly um, be some nervy Argyle fans with bets on them finishing the top six. They'll still have yeah. their finger hovering over the cash out option. Think, well, I think the, the, the big concern for Argyle will just be about Ryan Taylor. Mm. You know, if they, yeah. if yes. Ryan Taylor's back playing yes. again on Saturday, mm. then... Yeah. If, they've, if they've got Remy Matthews, Sarsavik, Taylor all back next Saturday, which is possible. don't know if all three will be back, but hopefully at least two of them. That will make a difference, won't it? So, yeah, I'd like to think uh, I'm going to go Rotherham, uh, Argyle, Shrewsbury. And, and you've got to pick one up. I think we're going to play Portsmouth in the playoff semi finals. That's yeah, right. I think it's coming from a man who doesn't like to make predictions. <laughs> <laughs> I know, well, you know, you can't sit in the fence forever, can you? No, that's right. So, fair play, Jack Chapman, for uh, <laughs> Chris. I still think Peterborough are going to do it. It's tough because Peterborough have got Jack Marriott and yeah, you know, yeah. he's such a good player and, and Madison, you know, once he's available again, 
you know, any any team with a twenty six goal strike or what is twenty nine or whatever, I've lost count of how many goals yeah. Marriott's got. I think Port Peterborough have got some tricky games though, haven't they? Aren't they away to um, Blackburn and yeah, Shrewsbury or something like that? The thing is, I, uh, Steve Evans just has this knack of, of grinding mm. things out, and when Kenny Jackett's record speaks for itself as yeah. well. You know, not just look at the teams. There's some managers in there that are quite good pedigree and have got some good good CV. So it will definitely be an interesting battle. So the interesting thing will be where they all finish as well. You mm. say fancy our goals to meet Portsmouth. Mm. That would mean our goal finishing fourth now Wembley Wembley you can tell it's nearly the end of the season can't you <laughs> 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 lie down <laughs> no because uh, you were right though Stuart I think Argyle and Portsmouth meeting in the playoff semi-finals could be a bit tricky sort of position wise yeah um, but so it looks as though Shrewsbury will play whoever finishes sixth, of course. So, um, so we think, you know, Argyle, if they get if they get there, would probably play Rotherham is most likely yeah. we suggest at the moment. But I suppose lots of results to happen, so they could play Shrewsbury as well. But Argyle and Portsmouth, they're just joined at the hip, aren't they? So you just know it, it's it just happen. it just feels like the last few years, you know. Argyle and Portsmouth are always there and thereabouts. So that's really what I'm basing it on. Whether I think or not that's what everyone would like to see as well, because there'd be a huge crowd. Well, I don't not Portsmouth fans, they're in denial, don't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it would be it would be a great the occasions are always great, you know, the game yeah. on Saturday wasn't the best, but you know they're both still well in the mix, aren't they? Mm. With a with a handful of games to go. Indeed. Finally then guys, Northampton up next. They got Vital win against Berry over the weekend to keep their hopes of survival alive. Both it, this I mean as we said a few weeks ago, every game for Argyle there's going to be something riding on it, and this is again the case on Saturday. I'm not. I, I, I don't like playing teams that are battling relegation. It almost you, they're almost it's almost level playing field. Yeah. You know, if you're playing them in mid season, that's one thing. But they I mean, raise that game. Just look at, look, look at the one Rochdale have been on, for example. Mm, yeah. I'm not worried them. about Rochdale and Northampton, but you can't overlook Northampton. North, if we've got Ryan Taylor, Northampton conceded a lot of goals. I think they've yeah. they conceded some of the most amount of goals in League Two. I think Argyle just absolutely battered them at home park. It was one of the uh, one of the worst performances I've seen from a team at Cumberland Park was Northampton. Obviously, they've got another new person in charge um, with Hasselbank going, but both teams have got so much on it that it could be quite a nervy affair, I'd imagine. Yeah, I, I, I was surprised how poor Northampton were at home park early in the season because you look through that squad and there's a lot of talented players in there, a lot of players. That, that squad at the start of the season would have been a lot of people's tips to be playoffs, if not automatic, probably not automatic promotion, but certainly playoffs. Mm. And... Um, you saw the goals against Barry. I think Matt Grimes set up to him, the former Exeter player, who's always struck me as a very good player. You know, when you've got you know quality players like that, Sam Hoskins up front. You know, they're they're going to score goals. They've conceded goals as well. Um, you know, a good, strong, solid, typical Argyle away defensive performance will hopefully deal with them. And then you'd like to think that you know if Argyle are, are anything near their best in an attacking sense, they might be able to get a goal or two at the other end. So, but. It's going to be a tough game. You know, Northampton clearly need to win. They're in the situation where they have to win, and Argyle are going to have to win to keep in the playoff race. So, um, as we've said, you know, for a while now, virtually every game is, is massive for both teams that Argyle are involved in. So, you know, I think bring that, it on. I think they sold out tickets. I know they've been mm-hmm. snatch yeah. ball tickets. So really? another capacity crowd for the away fans. Mm. It's it's going to be a great game, and I mean. It's so fantastic to have so much riding on the last few games of the season. You know, you can be a mid-table mediocrity, but I mean, the fact that we're getting how many games in home games has there been? We've had over ten thousand fans, mm. five, six, yeah. and you get selling out away as well. It's it's fantastic to just watch and see see the green. And you know, it's what you want. It's certainly going to be a boost to the to, a, the to the players as well. Just to know that 
that's what I love about it. I mean, I, I've been here three years and there hasn't been a single season where promotion basically hasn't been on the line and I've got to play in two different divisions. You're very lucky. Yeah, well, it's, not bad. Well, we've had, it's not bad. We've had three promotion seasons and a relegation season in three seasons. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've certainly crammed, crammed a lot into the, oh, yeah. into the time we've been talking on the podcast anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Always something going on. We're never scratching our heads wondering what we're going to talk about. And, uh, as today's proved, there's, there's loads still to talk about with just a couple of weeks of the season to go. Indeed. Well, that's all we have time for. And as uh, Dave has pointed out, it's his last ever podcast. So yeah, um, yeah no, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird one. I, I'm still going to be in Plymouth probably, so I'm, I'm still going to be around CRGAR, but I just won't be able to in an official capacity. It, yeah, in an official capacity. So yeah, if you fancy coming into the director's watching us doing a work for me, Chris, one day, yeah, 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 for a guest for the podcast. Well, yeah, we'll yeah, we'll we'll yeah, yeah, I'll let you know how much I charge, but you know how it works here, Dave. You don't pay fees. Yeah, that's true. But no, but yeah, it's been great to be on. I've always enjoyed coming on. I got chat. I don't do it as often as you guys. Obviously, I don't normally work the Mondays, so I do enjoy it when I've seen the game coming here talk about it. So. Yeah, you timed, you, timed it, you timed it pretty well as well. Yeah. Three years under Derek Adams, I think if it all goes totally wrong after you leave, we might have to bring you back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, Baron obviously uh, left a few months ago and said, basically said the same thing. It's been great to be here during such a successful spell, so I couldn't have asked for a better time to, to be on uh, the podcast and covering Argyle. So, yeah, can't have too many complaints. Indeed, but we wish you all the best with uh, your next yes. venture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right, well, that is all we have time for this week. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back again with more of the same next week.
We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.